0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the fourth season of the Detours in Music podcast. The fourth season of the podcast is going to be focusing on staff and musicians in the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra and the organization. This past May, I accepted a position at the CSO as a patron services representative, so if you call the box office, I just might be the one that answers your call. This job has really inspired me to look at not only the musicians in the CSO but also the staff in the office because like a lot of people listening, we're musicians who also work jobs or we're musicians who find ourselves drawn to administration jobs and doing the work that really helps the people on stage get to be on stage. I'm really grateful to Rebecca Villarreal for this interview. Rebecca is the Subscriptions Marketing Manager at the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. I hope you enjoy.
1: My name is Rebecca Villarreal, and I am the Subscription Marketing Manager with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra.
0: And how long have you worked here? Three years. Okay. And you were as the Subscription Marketing Manager?
1: No. I started out uh, in the box office as a page and service representative. Mm -hmm. Um, Did that for a few months. Um, Got promoted to Subscriptions Coordinator. Did that for like a year and a half. And then right at the start of the pandemic, got my second promotion to Ah, manager.
0: You're moving fast. (laughs) I thought it was longer
1: than that. (laughs) No.
0: Um, can you talk about your start in music?
1: Yeah, so um, both of my parents are band director, or they were band directors. Okay. Um, and they always had music going in the house, they are really active musicians outside of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, like my mom's really big into bluegrass playing and my dad plays in our old church band and stuff. Um, so they got me started really young with piano lessons mm-hmm. um, and I was really fixated on just learning video game themes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all I cared about, um, so that didn't go very well. But it was a great start. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in sixth grade, um, everyone in Texas has to um, do a fine arts class, so band choir orchestra. So I did band, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny. I was actually supposed to play the oboe. Okay. I was really <laughs> fixated on that. I thought it was such a cool instrument. Yeah. Um, but I ended up having to need a jaw surgery that they, people knew about like really early on. Mm-hmm. So they were like, percussion is the only thing you can do. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's fine with me, because my dad's a percussionist.
0: Okay. Um, like, this is the safe, <laughs> safe option for it's your. It's a physical... safe choice
1: yeah. just in case. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen with your embouchure. Yeah, yeah.
0: When you were in band in middle school, was that like an instant love or were you just like, I'm here to fulfill the requirement?
1: <laughs> it started out just to fill the requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with it. Like, the mallet stuff came really easily to me and I really mm-hmm. liked that it was easy, but the more rhythmic stuff took a lot longer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, But I also really liked all the friends I made, Um, so my parents were very much like, just stay through it through ninth grade, and if you Mm -hmm. still hate it after that, you can quit. I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when I got to high school, I really loved it, um, Mm -hmm. ended up sticking with it. It was definitely more of a social thing uh, Mm -hmm. when I was in school, though.
0: When did you realize you would want to pursue it in Um, college?
1: (laughs) So I started out in college as an English major, um, and I was minoring in Chinese.
0: Um, just casually just
1: casually casually. (laughs) I really like languages and I was like sure this seems like fun Um, um, but I did make a lot of friends with percussionists and about a few months in Mm -hmm. um, it was near the end of the first semester I looked at one of my friends and I was like should I be a music major like this seems like fun and he's like yeah sure give it a shot Um, so I ended up auditioning getting in switching to music education after that um, and all went from there
0: what school (laughs) were you at
1: I did my undergrad at the University of North Texas and my master's at CCM.
0: Great. Why did you attend those schools? Sorry.
1: Uh, so North Texas was, you know, one of those things, just I was already there. But um, it is such an incredible school for percussion. It was really just right place, right time. i um, really thankful for that, actually. Um, My professor, my main professor at UNT was Christopher Dean, um, incredible musician, really big on orchestral playing and new music, Mm. um, which was super interesting to me um, because I knew nothing about either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he got his master's at CCM. So when I first was just like, I think I want to go to grad school for performance. um, It was one of his top recommendations. Mm -hmm. Um, When I came up here and auditioned, I still didn't really know that much about the school. I knew about the teachers and stuff, but just fell in love with Cincinnati. And the teachers at CCM are all in a chamber group called Percussion Group Cincinnati. Um, And that was super interesting to me. They basically paved the way with John Cage's music and Mm. was a big fan. So I was like, sure, this will work out. Um,
0: And it has. It has, (laughs) yeah. When you were in your undergraduate degree, what is something you struggled with?
1: I feel like a common answer is imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, And I also have pretty bad performance anxiety. Mm learned to deal with it over the years, um, but you know starting out in college I had no yeah. idea how to handle it.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think those two combined
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> create a lot of struggle, but it was really nice because it kind of gives you a way to grow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, trying to find ways to persevere through it.
0: Mm-hmm. What um, for you has helped the most you think in those areas? Therapy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was nice, because at North Texas, they actually have um, a therapist on site that works with musicians. That's awesome. Um, and it was just incredible to learn about all these different techniques, and my professors were also really recommending of uh, different books and stuff and methods, mm-hmm. and getting into like a meditation practice and starting to do yoga and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, I really liked that everyone who was giving me advice and helping me was giving me methods outside of like the actual act of doing mm-hmm. it, just to give me the tools to be more successful in the moment. Yeah,
0: to kind of separate the music making from like the mental, Yeah, <laughs> the I gains.
1: I feel like musicians, especially ones that struggle with anxiety, um, it's so easy when you're in the moment to take it all so personally. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have such an intimate relationship with your instrument. So yeah. if something doesn't go well, it's so hard to not protect. yeah exactly
0: yeah is that like the advice you hear yourself saying to younger players is kind of learn to separate your own worth from your musical worth
1: that's one of the biggest things um I've had some students in the past that go into music and the two biggest pieces of advice is is separate yourself from the art Mm -hmm. and also it's okay if things don't go as planned Mm -hmm. like have multiple options um I really wish more colleges would focus on, there's more than just being a teacher or being a performer. Because mm-hmm. um, I, if I had known that when I was younger, I think I would have felt a lot less stress yeah. about the future.
0: Yeah, and I think through this podcast and interviewing more and more people, you realize everyone had moments in their career that were on like the path to success, but they don't like, qualify as successful um, when you're in school. Do you think about what you would be doing if you were not a musician?
1: A lot, actually, but it's so hard to pin it down on one thing. I feel like someone asked me this a few months ago and just at the top of my head, I was like, maybe something in aerospace, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about what would have happened if I had stuck with my English degree, mm-hmm. um, I probably would have ended up doing something similar to what I'm doing now.
0: I'm
1: mm-hmm. um, also really interested in the film industry.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's good to have a lot of different interests.
0: Yeah. How does it feel to be working in a, like, quote unquote, nine to five job? and have the identity as a musician, or how is that um, like working out in your mind? <laughs> so, when I
1: first graduated from CCM, um, I was still really dead set on the audition track and doing all those things and was super unhappy and not gigging a lot, not teaching as much as I wanted to, um, but then as soon as I got this job and was working full-time, mm-hmm. a lot more gigs started coming up mm-hmm. and teaching opportunities and whatnot, and I just... I always thought that I wouldn't be able to balance the two if I had like a day job, yeah. um, but I realize it's given me a lot more, I want to say security, mm-hmm. I guess that's true, a lot more security, I can relax a little bit more, I don't mm-hmm. feel as pressured <laughs> to mm-hmm. be a musician and that's it, and base my self-worth on yeah. gigs or teaching or that.
0: Yeah, and it can make the, like, the gigs that come all the more enjoyable, and then maybe you enjoying it more makes someone more inclined to offer you another gig or something.
1: I was just so burnt out um, when I first graduated. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people feel like that after they, Yeah. <laughs> if you just power through multiple degrees. Yes. Um, some people don't, and I think that's fantastic, but I was very burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just wasn't enjoying playing or practicing when I could, but now I like genuinely like, oh my gosh, I get to play triangle in a week. I'm so excited to practice this. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you define certain moments as detour moments in your life?
1: Yeah. Um, I always think of detours when you're faced with a point, like you might not realize it in the moment, but mm-hmm. you can choose to go to one school or another school or one major or another major. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are pretty life defining moments.
0: Just so kind of every decision, <laughs> they all lead somewhere. They
1: right? all lead somewhere. Yeah. Um, one of my friends and I were talking about sort of how we ended up where we are now. He's very much more involved um, in the orchestra direction. Very, very big on auditions. Mm -hmm. And we both sort of made the choices on where we wanted to go Mm -hmm. about the same time in our lives. Um, So he got really, really involved with auditions at the same time that I was like, I'm more interested in the administrative and talking about orchestra. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And just sort of reflecting together on, like, how that has affected our lives since then.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's been a positive for you? I think so.
1: I I really like my work. Um, I really like telling people how great the Cincinnati Symphony is. Um, There's a lot of times where I have interactions with our subscribers um, and they're just like, oh, you're a musician, how'd you end up here? And it's like, yeah, I enjoy talking about it more than I enjoy auditioning for it. And they're like,
0: yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) What are some skills you think people need to have in order to kind of transfer into the administrative world?
1: Flexibility. <laughs> um, I think just a genuine curiosity for the work that they're interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a few people at other organizations that are a lot more focused on the art that they're doing outside of the job. Mm-hmm. And they still do a good job, but they just don't seem as happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I also understand the necessity of it. But I also just want them to be able to do the work that makes them the happiest mm-hmm. and not feel like they're stuck doing this just to make a living
0: yeah what drew you into working here
1: what got me started is just I had a friend who was working in the box office when I applied Mm -hmm. um, and they said it was a great place I was like sure sounds great need need an extra job Um, and then once I started working here um, it was just so cool to see all the other things that go into making Mm -hmm. an orchestra happen yes um And I was just really curious about that. Um, My boss at the time after a few months had encouraged me to apply for a full-time job and getting into that that was even more Mm -hmm. eye-opening. I had no idea like all the fundraising stuff, all the different marketing efforts, what artistic and production actually does, Mm -hmm. um, how everything works together. Um, It was super fascinating.
0: (laughs) I mean the first day that I like had to meet with people and sign papers I came into the office and I was like what? I felt like I was at Google like I just you would never know that there's like this huge like beehive of workers like at Music Hall every day and that was like the coolest thing I was like well well, what job is that like there's so many jobs and like you would the reason you never know is because it obviously works and like the machine is running the train is on the track but I was like this is really awesome and I don't think as like a patron previously I'm not noticing this and that's kind of a good thing but it is really cool to peek inside.
1: I remember when we did our tour mm-hmm. of the offices um, I looked at someone else and I was like oh my gosh I want to work back here it's yeah, so sleek and cool. Exactly.
0: I was like they have desks that like stand <laughs> and everything's white and like modern. <laughs> what are your current goals for your job here?
1: I'm still figuring that all out. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially over the pandemic, just figuring out what I like and don't like. Yes. Um, I really like loyalty and membership marketing. Um, just sort of figuring out what makes a person first come to an arts organization, what makes them stay, how do we continue to appreciate them over their life cycle? Because mm-hmm. um, our audiences are pretty important mm-hmm. and it's just so fascinating to see what makes people tick. Yeah. Um, so I like the data part of it, I like the creative parts of coming up with promotions and what words are going to compel people to come on come on board as a subscriber this mm-hmm. year um, mm-hmm. what's working what's not working um one thing i really love about the cso is that especially the marketing departments no one is afraid um, to try something new mm. it's like sure let's try it out if it doesn't work we've learned something here
0: yeah. <laughs> it's really cool I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Rebecca, and if there are any other roles in an administration such as the Cincinnati Symphony that you would like me to speak to someone and learn more about what they do, please send me a DM on Instagram or you can email the podcast at detoursandmusic@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast, there are multiple ways you can do so. First of all, you can go to our website, which is detoursandmusicpodcast.weebly.com. You could also subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Detours in Music Podcast. We also have a Facebook page and Instagram account where you can like and follow us. The Detours in Music Podcast is available everywhere that you listen to podcasts, but on Apple Music Podcast apps, you can subscribe and rate us. If you ever want to get in touch with me and give more direct feedback, you can email me at detoursandmusicpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you catch the next one.